0: Hello, everyone, and thank you all for joining us as we dive into God's Word and search for answers to some of life's tough questions. Today's question is neither hard nor easy to answer, but must be considered on an individual basis. It is also a two-part question, where the second question is based off the answer to the first. The question is, are you saved? Second is, how do you know? The first question requires a simple yes or no, but the second As an explanation to explain your answer That you gave for the first So let's look at God's word today And clear this thing up Because nothing in this world Is worse than dying and going to hell Because you thought or felt that you were saved But you didn't know A close second to that would actually Being saved saved, But not using your life for Christ Because you doubt your salvation With that being said Let's get started kick things off today, let's look at God's salvation plan. In the book of John, in chapter 3, we read a very familiar account of Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. Jesus, in verse 3, John chapter 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born. Nicodemus was no doubt inquiring about salvation rather than trying to trick Jesus as Pharisees and scribes did in this day. But he was quite perplexed with the answer that Jesus gave him. No doubt he was severely let down when Jesus said be born again because he was thinking about it logically. He thought, well, this is impossible with men. He was thinking about the fleshly concepts of somehow being born naturally all over again. And he asked Jesus, could one go a second time into his mother's womb? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Now, Jesus had to have known that he was blowing this man's mind. And he provided him an explanation. Jesus said, not only must you be born again, but you must be born both of water and of the spirit. We see Jesus give this man the worst news that he could get at this point in time because it got him all up inside his head. Jesus said, you must be born again. This meant that he was giving up his spiritual beliefs as a Jew. He had to be born again by the Spirit. And he had to lay aside his earthly possessions because they were a hindrance to him. He was putting his trust in them. He was putting his trust in his possessions and in his Jewish religion. Jesus was talking about to be spiritually cleansed. To be born again new and fresh, Jesus tells Nicodemus he must have a water birth, which is the natural birth, and a spiritual birth, which is God's redemption plan and salvation. The reference to the water birth can in no way be a reference to baptism as this does not affect one's salvation. The water birth refers to the natural first birth being brought into this world. The second birth by the Spirit is when one really refers to salvation, because the Spirit of God renews your soul, washes away all the past sins, and the songs that we sing say, Cleanse white as snow. Paul says that we are a new creature. Behold, all things are passed away. Jesus is telling Nicodemus he needs this spiritual birth. We read on down to one of the most recognized scriptures in the Bible, as it is God's plan of salvation. Jesus tells Nicodemus exactly how to be saved. No doubt Nicodemus wanted this very much, but he could not get past himself. He could not get out of his own head. We say today that that we're just all up in our head because we overthink things and we try to figure it all out. And it just don't work that way. We are not, cannot, and will not ever figure out the mysteries of God. It is not our place, it is not our job, and it is not conditional upon us being saved. Jesus said the wind blows and you hear it. But you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. It's the same way with the spirit. We know it comes from God. But how and when it works is not for us to know. Jesus told Nicodemus that he told him of earthly things and he didn't understand. So how could he then tell him of heavenly things? It is not our place to try to figure out God's plans. If it cost us a million bucks to get saved wouldn't we all be scrounging borrowing, hustling to trying to make the million dollars? If getting saved was repeating a prayer, we'd do it in a heartbeat if getting saved required good deeds, good works some marvelous gesture, we wouldn't think twice but God made it even simpler God said in the Old Testament whenever his, uh, his people was getting bitten by the serpents, he told Moses to put a make a serpent of brass, put it on a pole in the middle of the camp. And he said, if they will look, they will live. Just look that direction. Well, folks, God has made it easier than that. He has made it so simple. We don't have to look. We don't have to be in the vicinity of that serpent to look. We have to look at Jesus Christ in our hearts, hanging on that cross. We have to accept that he died for us. Because we could not live God's law. We could not live good enough to deserve heaven. But Jesus paid that price for us. And if we believe and put our faith and trust in him, we too can be saved. Just believe. Why do we overcomplicate things? Why do we get all up in our heads? Now let's jump to why we sometimes, often, doubt our salvation. It's not just you. It happens to every single born-again believer Satan ultimately wants our soul that is his goal he wants uh, it's a it drag as many people to hell with him as he possibly can because he knows that he don't have any hope and so when we are saved he can't have our soul that is cleansed and protected by Jesus Christ and so he shoots for our life he wants to destroy the influence that we can possibly have as well as the works that we can potentially do for the cause of Christ satan can make us doubt in many ways today we're going to check out a few of those that are extremely relevant to our day and age the first is how he makes us think too hard now be very careful about the way you look at this he makes us think too hard nicodemus was thinking too hard he was trying to figure out what jesus was saying logically like human nature we think God's plan is too simple oh it can't be that easy it just can't nothing can be that simple there weren't any fireworks there wasn't no angels singing the people sitting right next to me didn't even know anything happened when I was saved my dad was sitting in a pew right next to me and he had no idea what happened folks it is not an outward revelation it is an inward transformation Satan will put things in our mind and not only make us question and try to overthink salvation, but immediately after salvation, he will make us question whether or not it even happened at all. He will try to make us doubt our spiritual birth. And this can lead to long-term problems in our spiritual lives if we succumb to this. Don't get me wrong, overcoming this doubt can be a process. But when we are saved, we have that birthplace to go back to. Not only that, we have God's Holy Spirit that dwells in us. God's Holy Spirit will guide, lead, and comfort us. It reassures us of the fact that we're definitely, without a doubt, saved, and this then it will lead us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. Paul tells us in Romans that sin shall not have dominion over us as we're under grace. Satan cannot touch our soul once we're saved. With help from the Holy Spirit, we can overcome sin, our own flesh, and the devil when we're tempted, and even when we doubt, when we doubt. The next way Satan gets in our heads and causes us to doubt our salvation is when we think we can lose it. This is completely and utterly a lie. Nothing in this world can be further from the truth. Folks, we cannot lose salvation. We see this practice taught in several different corners of religion, and then we hear questions and concerns of whether or not a people can lose our salvation these are, are, are lies drummed up by the devil to try to make someone not, not lose their salvation but lose their life works. And so with help from the scripture, we're going to prove why it is impossible to lose our salvation. First, we read in John 6 and chapter 39, uh, excuse me, John chapter 6, verse 39, the words of Jesus. This is the Father's will which has sent me that all of which he hath given me I should lose nothing. Everything that God has entrusted Jesus with, our soul, our salvation, he trusted his perfect darling son with that. I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. Just before Jesus preached salvation and called himself the bread of life, he preached this statement that we read that God has given to Jesus all that he had given him. And Jesus said that I should lose nothing. In verse 37, he said that he will not cast out any who come. Jesus said he came down to do the will of the Father and that he will lose none which come to him for eternal life, but will raise them up at the last day. Neither Jesus nor God can lie. And so if they both said it, we might have eternal life and will not be lost. Then we simply cannot become unsaved once we are truly saved. Another reason why we cannot lose our salvation is because we cannot, in fact, earn salvation. We cannot work hard enough. We cannot do enough good works to be saved. So using logic, if we can't earn or work for salvation, thus our works not buying salvation, how can our works then lose us salvation? Now, this is not to be confused with the word of James. Whenever he says we are justified by our works, this is often taken out of context as James says that faith without works is dead, meaning that after we are saved, if we do not work for God, then our life's works will be be burned up. We must lay up treasures in, in heaven, not here on earth. We cannot earn redemption. The best that we have to offer is filthy rags before God. Jesus paid that for us. Jesus bought us. The blood of Jesus paid our price. We are saved through him and through our faith in him and what he completed in his life, death, and resurrection. We have eternal life. That treasure no man can take from us because it is not ours. It is Jesus. Jesus paid for it and he will not lose it. And he will raise us up in the last day to reign with him. The last way I'm going to discuss how Satan... Can really screw with our lives after we're saved is how he can make us miserable. Whenever we doubt our salvation and then we're too embarrassed to come forward for help. He appeals to our vanity. What will other people think? How will this make me look? I can't ask for help. What will they say about me? This is no doubt one of the biggest tools that he can use against us. I can answer most of these questions right now. True Christians want you to be saved and want you to be sure of it above all else. We we don't judge your situation. As Christians, we can only try to help. It's not something to play around with. Eternity is a long time for someone to almost be saved, for someone to think they're saved Christian today be sure make sure ask yourself right now if I died this second where would I open my eyes if this answer is unsure talk to someone about it pray about it ask God for clarity the Holy Spirit lives inside of each and every saved person he will let you know that you are saved and here today if you are not if you truly and wholeheartedly put your faith in Jesus Christ, you can be. If you repent of your sins, if you recognize that you're a sinner and that Jesus Christ came and lived that perfect, sinless life and rose again to conquer death and hell, you believe on Jesus with your whole heart and you can be saved. That is the miracle of salvation. It's not restricted to how much you've doubted yourself, it's not restricted to how long you've been on the church road. Or how many people you've told that, hey, I'm saved. It's strictly between you and your Savior. Then you know what? When you get things settled, we're going to rejoice with you. Because not only can you now live for Christ, not only are you no longer miserable, you then, can, you then can start growing as a Christian. If these doubts are always lingering in the back of your mind, it is really difficult to live for Christ. You cannot serve God and be miserable in your spiritual life. One of the most wonderful things in the world is the peace that comes with salvation. And the second most is rejoicing together with someone who has found that same peace. Someone who has gotten their business fixed with God. Two other scriptures. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. 1 John chapter 5. Verse 13 said, these things have I written unto you that you believe on the name of the Son of God. Then there's a semicolon, which means there's something else coming. He said, I wrote this to you so that you could believe on the name of the Son of God. But why do we believe? He said that you may have eternal life. This is the reason I write unto you. This is the reason Christians minister and try to get the word out. This is the reason missionaries are sent far and wide. This is the reason churches try to reach each and every soul that they can. This is the reason that we have a burden for the lost and dying world. That they might believe on the name of the Son of God. Does it say that you may have uh, almost eternal life half of eternity of a life the, so that you may go into some kind of imaginary place called purgatory that really don't exist because there's nowhere of it in the Bible does it say that you can have eternal life but if you screw up you're going to lose it if you mess up it's going to be no no. it don't say that it said that you may have eternal life Romans 8 no doubt whenever we turn to that chapter we always think of verse 28 but I'm going to back up just a little bit Romans 8 chapter 8 verse 16 Romans 8 16 it says the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God the spirit itself when we are saved God's Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us and bears witness within our spirit, with our spirit, within us, that we are the children of God, that there is no doubt within us. Whenever you have that experience of salvation, whenever you truly accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, that has become your spiritual birthplace. I've heard people kind of picking about it, but it it makes a lot of sense. They said, this is my spiritual birthday. Praise God. Their spiritual birthday this day So many years ago, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord. You know, that's just as much to celebrate about, if not more, significantly more, than our regular birthdays that we really throw a fit about. Our spiritual birthdays should mean more to us than our birthdays. Because they are life-changing. Sure, on our birthday, we came into this world. But on our spiritual birthday... We entered into eternal life. Eternal. I see bumper stickers sometime. It says eternity is a long time to be wrong. Eternity is a long time to think. As the Spirit bears witness with our spirit, the Spirit will take us back to that spiritual birthplace. The Holy Spirit will guide us back and it will remind us, it will show us what we did with Christ on that day. It will, it's It's there. It is a knowing salvation that we are the children of God. And don't say that we might be for a little while. It says that we are the children of God. And then finally, when it's settled, when peace rains down upon you, you can move on to growth, to living for God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, it says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We have the desire to grow and to be that light God would have us to be. God can use us. Not only that, it is our duty as Christians to do so. We have to have that desire along with the help and guidance of the Holy Spirit which now dwells within us withstand Satan on a daily basis. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 24, that they are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we can crucify the flesh on a daily basis. Because if we get up and we forget to pray and we don't look at our Bible and then we go all day and don't really think about it. And then we lay down at night and don't really think about it again. Satan won that day. He won. And then the next day, it's easier not to think about it. And then it gets to the point that it's, don't really bother you a whole lot. Christian, that is a bad place to find yourself. Paul says we must crucify the flesh. He don't say daily in there. But we have to do it Daily. It is a daily fight to overcome the devil and what he puts in our way. This is a fast-paced world we live in. I mean, we have always got something to do. seems like there's not enough time left at the end of the day, every day. But the Spirit dwells in us because we are Christ. That's a possessive form of the word Christ there, that they are Christ. We our christ he owns us we belong to him and we have crucified the flesh with affections and lust in verse 25 if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit if we say we are saved we should prove this in our everyday life no person on this planet no one can tell you whether you're saved or lost nobody that's between you and your personal savior jesus christ But We can be sure and certain of our salvation As this is the number one most important decision We will ever make My prayer today is that each and every person Can not only be saved But can be sure of their salvation That they can grow and mature As a child of God If you would bow with me Heavenly Father Thank you for blessing for the health and strength today God, we love you and we thank you for all the many blessings of life you've given us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us so we could always see where our blessings come from. Lord, that we could be thankful and we could be mindful of everything that you do for us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us so we could have a greater burden for those that are lost. Lord, I pray that you'd help us that so we could crucify the flesh on a daily basis, that we could walk in the Spirit. Lord, help us that 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 we could not only live in the Spirit, but on a daily basis, We can walk in the spirit, then that others can see Christ in us. Lord help us that we can be an example. Help us that in some small way we could maybe maybe be a little bit of an influence, a little bit of a help to a lost soul. Lord be with all those listening today. Each and every one of them, pray preach you bless. All those it's our duty to pray for, sick and suffering. Be with the leaders of the country, all those in power. Lord, I pray that you'd help us. uh, Help us so we could be that light that you would have us to be. Help us so we could be sure of our salvation. Lord, that we could be certain all the time. Lord, I pray that you'd help us that we can grow, that we can mature, and that we could desire the sincere milk of the Word, that we might grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you, and thank you most of all for Jesus. His name we pray. Amen.